How many love Jesus? Say amen. 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 If someone were to ask you, are you saved, which means have you been cleansed from your sins through the blood of Jesus Christ, what would you say? Amen. 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 A lot of people today in our culture are into religion. They don't know that they're into religion, many of them, because the Bible says that they are blind to the truth. And the truth is that when you say, I'm saved, I'm born again, I've been redeemed, I've been forgiven, what that means is conversion. It means that your life is different. You're no longer following the religion of you. You're no longer following the idol that you see in the mirror. You're giving sacrifice. You're saying, not my will, but thy will be done. You see, you can know that you're saved. It's more than an expression. It's greater than religion. That's the title of the series, Jesus Greater Than Religion. What our culture needs today is a true baptism in redemption today. And as we understand what that means, you can know it because it signifies absolute change. You see, today I'm going to talk about, talk about religion, but I'm going to talk about relationship in the Lord. Someone said to me not long ago, I've lost my faith. Really? Yeah. Another said, I've lost my religion. And I said to them, I hope you never find it. Well, what do you mean, pastor? I said, I don't want you to have religion. God doesn't want you to have religion. What God wants you to have is a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Preparation for this message. I read the story of a a practicing oncologist. And in fact, she said, when I went in, I, I thought I had some kind of relationship with God. Now, just listen to that. I thought I had some kind of relationship with God. Here's what I know, friend. When you are truly redeemed by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, you don't have some kind of relationship. You know that you have a Redeemer, and your life is following suit after His pleasures and not your own. Help me preach this morning. Some kind of relationship, and I went into my studies in the university, and and higher, and finally got my practicum in which I'm doing the practical studies and actually engaged in the practice of oncology, etc. She said, but somewhere along the way, I, 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 lost my, I lost my faith, I lost my religion, and I got to the place that, place that I had no desire to embrace any kind of a belief system. No desire. You see, the enemy of your soul will cause you to desire to be self-sufficient and independent. And the enemy and the culture will never identify if you're so self-sufficient, if you are so full of yourself, culture will never necessarily point that out to you. But you see, God cannot use a person that is stubborn and hard-headed and so full of themselves that they cannot humble themselves and be obedient to helping build the kingdom of God. When you serve God, it is not about you. It is about Him. Can you preach this morning? So I just stopped believing, she said. You see, losing your religion. Religion is dangerous. Religion will blind you to the reality of what eternity is all about. And there have been many countries today that have a religion who will slaughter 
individuals who are missionaries and Christian if they knew that they were honoring and serving the Lord Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, the main character of our message today thought he was on the right track chasing Christians down and taking their lives and throwing them into lion's den and hammering at the stake and setting them on fire because he thought he was doing the right thing. It's easy to build a case against the church and religion. Do you know why? Because easily build a case against the church because often people say, well, I go to church. They expect you to be perfect. They expect you to have a behavior that never sins and never fails. But may I suggest to you, the church is not a museum filled up with a bunch of perfect people. The church is filled up with a bunch of misfits, a bunch of people that have scars, a bunch of people that have been through the fire looking for a better way. And they found that better way through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And they freely admit, I may not be perfect, but I've got my eye on the goal and I intend to make it. And what mistake I make, I'm going to ask him to forgive me and I'm going to do my best to walk better tomorrow than I did yesterday. Somebody say amen and help me out this morning. The power of religion. When you are in love with God, people will in fact know it. We sometimes try to leverage God and we do it this way. It's like if your kid, your son is on a baseball team or on a football team, whatever, you choose the team. can be your illustration. And you're in a championship game or in, headed toward the championship, the initial playoffs. Here's what parents summarily do. God, do you know Tommy has worked hard? You know his team, his team, the Chargers, up against the major team today. They're up against the storm and the Chargers, they really do need to win, and I'm asking you to touch Tommy today. God, I'm praying that you will, in fact, give him the best game ever. And God, if you don't mind, I am praying. Because you know the Chargers, they're really the best team. And I'm asking you to let the Chargers win today. God says, okay. Then you got some mama over on the storm. She says, God... I want you to know we made it to the playoffs. And you know, over in the Chargers, there's a little boy named Tommy. He's considered to be their star player. Could be Cole or anybody. I'm not asking you to hurt him bad. <laughs> maybe a hamstring. Maybe a cramp. I mean, not hurt him long term. And I'm praying that you will let the storm win. Because you know, God, we deserve to win. And God's standing up there saying, yep, 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 yep. You see, you're not going to back God in a corner. We try to leverage God that way to answer our prayers and say, God, you know. And you know what? If I were to the Lord, I'd say, well, let me pull down your record of faithfulness. Let me take a look here on your church attendance totally over the last year on your giving on the times that you've witnessed, let me pull all that down. And you say, God, if you don't mind, I'll take my prayer back. <laughs> you see, we endeavor to leverage God. If you were to take, if you were to take, let's say, religion. Religion is not relationship. 
And let's say that you can be a religion and an idol if you're just self-willed and if it's all about you, if in fact that say, God, I'm going to do what I want to do. It's not when I can do your will, I'm willing to do it. But otherwise, I'm going to do, I'm going to do what I want to do. I don't care what the preacher says. I don't care. I, I don't believe what he says is right. I'm going to do it my way. And you put all of that religion and all that self-will in a box and put it somewhere. Most of you don't have any more storage room in your house. You have your garage so packed you cannot put your car in the garage anymore because you have so much junk in there, etc. The closets are full of shoes, women's shoes. Hello. So you put it, but if you find a box and you're traveling alone doing your thing and God and you know, once in a while you come on mosey into the church. How y'all doing, man? It's good to see you. Well, we yeah, I know we've been out three or four weeks, but you know, it's just kind of hard to get up and get everybody together and ready. And yeah, I know we we took it's just really tough, but hey, we're here. We're here. And you get in trouble. I told a woman today at McDonald's. I said, I have a pew for you. It's the same pew I had last week for you. She said, I'm not the only one that needs a pew down there. There were three or four other ladies standing at the window. I said, I have, a, I, have a, I have a window or a pew. I have a pew for all of them. You know the brightest testimony in that McDonald's where I go in North 98 is sitting right there. That young man right there who works there, who none of them get away from him telling them about Jesus Christ. Right there. Got a pew for you. I said, here's what's going to happen to you. You're going to get in trouble one day. Amen. How many has ever gotten in trouble and you didn't plan on getting in trouble, you just wound up in trouble? How many of you, it's easier to get in trouble than it is to do right? May I say, I'm glad, Frank, you raised your hand. God bless you. It's, it's the way it is. We're all that way. We get in trouble and say, wow. But you get in big trouble. And I said to her, one day you're going to get in trouble. I mean, Grady might even show up and cuff and stuff you. But you're going to get in big trouble. You know what you're going to do? Who can I call? 1-800-ASK-GARY? No. <laughs> You're going to call the only person who you think cares about you, continues to prod and encourage you. You're going to call me up and say, my son was arrested. Can you help him? My husband got drunk. And had an accident. Can you help him? We overextended ourselves and the air conditioning broke. Can you help me? And you know what happened? That, that relationship that you didn't think you need, that was religion. You pull religion out. You can pray all day long and religion is not going to do you one bit of good. 
but relationship is going to be able to give you redemption and an answer. And I said, you're going to live that way until that time comes. And I said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to help you because I've been praying for you and believing that that personal relationship with Christ will become real to you. Amen? It'll become, it'll become real to you. So here's, here's culture. Culture thinks that because they're good, culture thinks because, it, okay, I do some things right. Culture thinks, and that's all religion, they, they think, okay, I'm good to go. Well, you are right. You're always good to go. You just need to be sure you're good to go to the right place. Well, here's what I know. Who is God? Is he number one in your life? Is, is he the one you're in love with? Is he the one that's the king of your life? Is he the one that you say, God, I know what I'm doing is wrong, and I know this behavior that I've let get into my heart is wrong, and God, I can't sing the song, I'm only human. I know that it's wrong, so I'm asking you to help me, deliver me out of this. I'm going to be faithful and true to that, God. Here's what I want. I want my relationship to be clear. I don't want my prayers to not be answered. I need your help. Now, how do you know if, in fact... And I can share this with you and those of you online. The Bible says that in us, God created a place that only God should be housed in. Only one throne, and it's the throne that God created for him. So here's how when an unbeliever, a person that's in religion who doesn't know Jesus, when they in trouble... Call out to God, call on the preacher, call on anybody they know that, that is a Christian. Here's what they're signaling. I know that in the deep of me, I have a need from someone that is bigger than I am, someone that can bridge the chasm I'm in, someone that can take me out of this trouble, someone that can take my kid. I got a news report seated in the first service of a 12-year-old boy killed on I-4 here in Polk County this morning walking down the highway. That kid has parents somewhere, and I promise you, I whispered a prayer and say, God, their whole world just changed. And they're going to need something more than religion. They're going to need a relationship for someone to wrap their arms around them and say, it's going to be okay. So what we have to do is to cast our religious ideology aside and say, God, am I really in love with you? Do you really matter to me? Well, God, I call on you when I'm in trouble. Here's what we don't do. Let's say that uh, where you work, they give you a $5,000 bonus. Amen? Amen. A $5,000 bonus. Or the boss comes in and said, you know what? You've been working really, really hard. I'm going to send you for a week to Longboat Key, all expenses paid. And I'm going to do that because you're working hard. Or somebody comes up to you and say, that's a new car you just bought. Yeah, you paid me pretty good. Yeah, but we had to have it. Well, I tell you what, for the next year, I'm going to pay your payment for you. I'm just going to, I'm going to make your ends meet. You know what we don't do? We don't go to God and say, God, I want to know why you thought I needed a $5,000 bonus. Why did you do that to me? Why did you have my boss say to me, he's going to give me a $5,000 bonus? I want you to answer me right now. 
You don't go and say, God, I, I, I can't take it. Why did you have my boss give me a week's trip to Longboat Key and, and all expense? Why did you do that? We never go online with God and ask him about the good things that happened to us. But we sure do. Get on him. You're not listening to me. And he says, well, you hadn't been talking much lately. Oh, God, I need you to intervene. Oh, let me check and see if you're at the same address. You still there? Yeah, okay. Oh, oh by the way, the problem you have, the preacher preached on it at your church just this past Sunday. Had you been there, you would have gotten the answer through the message that I delivered with him. By the way, where were you at? And just how many golf balls did you put in the lake? That's a little yara talk. You appreciate just straight ahead preaching? Hello? Good. I'll do it for two of you. There you go. So here we go. I'm going to use this term deconverted. What is the opposite of deconverted? <laughs> That's great. The most brilliant audience. You're so much smarter than that first service. The opposite of deconversion is conversion. So here we are. Now what happened to Paul? Actually the story that happened to him happened in Acts the ninth chapter. You can read it there in your Bible on your phone. But he's standing before King Agrippa and that story is told in Acts 26. So Paul is standing in front of King Agrippa because he was arrested. And he was arrested because he decided Okay, I've had an experience, and he, he went to the temple, and he began to teach, and he began to preach. The Jews were afraid because they thought, he, he's, an, he's just an idiot now. He's lost his mind. The followers of Jesus Christ in biblical day, in the book of Acts, and in the, they didn't call it Christianity. Here's what they called it, the way. And you'll see that in the New Testament occasionally, the word, the way. Because they didn't know that it was called Christianity. Hadn't been, that phrase had not been born yet, but they're in the way. And the reason that they said, I'm in the way, is Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so they thought, he said that, if we follow him, we're going to follow the way. And so we know that when Paul had that conversion, I'll interchange his name, Saul before conversion, Paul after conversion. But in order to become a Christian and get in the way, he had to deconvert away from what he calls Judaism. In other words, he, he no longer carried the banner for that person believing in the Jewish law. He believed Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. So he goes to the temple and says, how can I prove what happened to me? He goes to the temple where numerous cultures are gathered from different parts of the world, different languages were spoken, and Paul gets an audience because he is a learned man. He knew the ropes and all of that, and he started preaching about his testimony. He started preaching about, hey, I, was, I thought I was doing the right thing. 
I thought I was accomplishing everything that I knew to do to, to please Jehovah. But he said, here's what I found out. I found out that I was dead wrong. I found out that I was into religion. I found out I had special rights, King Agrippa. And I want to tell you about it. Agrippa looked at Paul with, with just a sense of, of anxiety because the reality, King Agrippa was the grandson to Herod. Herod was the king that sent soldiers to Bethlehem to find baby Jesus and to kill him. So there's Agrippa, the grandson of Herod, who tried to kill baby Jesus, and Jesus ran off to, with his parents to Philadelphia. How many vote Egypt? Intellectual genius you are, Egypt. And Agrippa said, smugly, well, why don't you tell me your story? See, here's what Agrippa didn't know. He'd seen many addresses, many speeches. But what he didn't know that when Paul spoke, as the mouthpiece of God, it had power and anointing on it. It had the power and the spirit of conviction on it. And he said, tell me your story. And Paul said, okay, I've, I've written it down and I can tell you. You know my credentials. You know that I was the chief of Pharisees. You know that I was an individual beating the drum for Judaism and I I gave the word and the authority to take out Stephen. And he says in Acts 26, verse 9, looking at it, he said, I too was convinced that I ought to do all that was possible, all that was possible to oppose the name of Jesus Christ. He said, that's what I thought I ought to do. I chased them down. I had them slaughtered. I threw them in a lion's den. I tied them to the stakes. I set them on fire. And he said in verse 10 of Acts 26, that is just what I did in Jerusalem. He said, on the authority of the chief priest, I put many of the saints in prison. And when they were put to death, I cast my vote against each and every one of them. Oh, you want to take down Stephen? Go right ahead. He had the authority and he was proud of his way because he thought he was doing the right thing. But he was dead wrong. Acts 26, 11, many a time, he said, I went from one synagogue to another to have them punished, and I tried to force them to blaspheme. In my obsession against them, I even went to foreign cities and persecuted them. He believed that any religion, any faith, especially those who would take up the cause of Jesus Christ, they were against Judaism and they needed to absolutely be destroyed. He was a true believer of the religious system, but in his heart of hearts, even though wiping out and snuffing out Christianity and Jesus, if he could, something was still in his heart crying out for attention. And he said, Agrippa, you know that I'm a strong man. I'm an educated man. I usually am in total control. I'm usually the one who carries the big stick. I'm the one that people have to come 
in order to do about anything. I had broad shoulders. But he said, on the road to Damascus, something beyond my imagination and beyond my ability hit me. I had my traveling group with me. I was on the animal. All of a sudden at noon, a light was so bright, it blinded me. It blinded the men around me. I fell off into the dust. And King Agrippa, my eyes were so blind, I could not see any kind of light. My eyes were total black. I could not see. He said, it scared me. I thought for a moment it was an attack. Well, if it had been in today's culture, we would have have thought, hey, Star Wars, buddy. There is somebody floating out there and they've just hit us. No, he failed. And he knew in that moment, grappling in the dirt, dust and dirt in his mouth, he heard in Aramaic. His own language. Saul. It didn't have to be a big bass voice. Saul. Why do you persecute me? Why are you harming me? Why are you harming my people? So what you've done is wrong. Saul's listening acutely to that voice that he does not recognize in his language. And then he hears, why are you kicking against the pricks? Now, the pricks happens to be called a goad. In other words, a goad was a stick in which you had little prongs sticking out, and you would goad an animal. If the animal wouldn't move or wouldn't stay, you'd just goad the animal. You wouldn't stick them hard, but... But you'd stick them enough that they know they've been stuck. Why why are you kicking? Why are you goading against? He said, listen, it's a battle, Paul, that you cannot win. Why are you trying so desperately? Paul knew then. He was Saul. His conversion is coming. Then he asked, who are you, Lord? Who are you? How would you interrupt my life? The man in control, the person of his own religion, the guy I would look in the mirror and say, invincible you are. I can have all the money, all the authority, all the women, all the position that I want. And in the middle of nowhere in the dirt, who are you? And Jesus said, Hallelujah. I'm Jesus. You remember me? I'm the one with the cross. I'm the one with the crown of thorns. I'm the one that bled. I'm the one that was speared in the side. I'm the one that you didn't believe that they put me in a borrowed tomb. And on the third day, I rose from the dead. I'm the one who appeared to hundreds and hundreds of people to be certain to seal the fact I'm no longer in that tomb. I have risen. I am the one who left my mark 
in the heart of people who when they accept me and humble themselves, their lives are totally changed. They deconvert from self-interest and convert to the power and the presence of God. I'm the one you're persecuting. Now get up and stand on your feet. Here we go now. I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and as a witness of what you have seen of me and what I will show you. Agrippa, that happened to me. Well, he knew that he was on the leading edge, Agrippa did, of abolishing what we know as Christianity. They called it the way. He looked upon Saul, who's now Paul, and thought something dramatic has happened. Is it true, Paul, that you've been preaching in the temple? That's, that's why you're here. Even the Jews don't like you. I'm not in love with the Jews, O King Agrippa. I'm in love with the crucified one. I'm in love with him. And he hears these words in verse 17. I will restore you from your people or rescue you from your people and from the Gentiles. And I'm sending you to them to open their eyes and turn them from darkness into light. Paul multiplied thousands of people. Know who you are. The things that you have done, your name resonates all through the land. The slaughterer, the man who's known to take Christians, you run them down, you chase them down. And now some dramatic change has taken over you. It's going to take a little time for everybody to believe that. And that's why that Jesus said to him, listen, your conversion is so dramatic that when you show up and you're no longer preaching the message of slaughter like Saul, you're giving a message of redemption in your heart as Paul. They're going to say there's only one thing that could have happened. It was not by might nor by power, but by the Spirit of God that came down and revolutionized your life and changed you from the inside out. No longer are you a hater of Christians, of simple followers, but you're a rewarder and an encourager. And many of those who were of simple faith said, wow, if that can happen to the man that we knew as Saul, surely, God, it can happen to me. I have a question I need to ask you right now and those online. Why, why aren't you madly in love with Jesus? Why, why aren't you really living a life that brings pleasure to the heart of God? Why do you dance in and out of a little dab of religion and you get out in the culture with many friends and you behave a lot like they do. Why do you keep keeping your mouth shut instead of letting everybody know that you've been born again? Amen. You say, well, I don't understand that. You take a young man who might be single, maybe divorced. Let's say he's 30 or 35 years of age. He came through a rough divorce. It's been a number of years. He has a desire to say, you know what? I, I wish I could find someone. I mean, God, just, and so all of a sudden, God, God through whatever means God uses, 
God brings a young lady into his life. Oh, my Lord, the people on the job knew that he was single and knew that what do you do when you go home? Well, I usually go, you know, home and don't do a whole lot. I watch Jeopardy, you know, really big, Wheel of Fortune, and watch the Adventure Channel, you know. Yeah, you do. I'm looking for somebody. And then he finds her. Oh, Lord, he's changed. Where are you going tonight? Hey, I'm going out. Yeah, I'm going to go down to Chili's. You say, what, what happened to the wheel of fortune? Oh, let me just tell you, if you knew what I found, <laughs> you'd be, you wouldn't be watching the wheel anymore, you know, at all. You go, well, I'm going to Chili's. Where, where, you, where are you going tonight, man? I'm going to prayer meetings. It's Wednesday night. Well, why are you going to prayer meetings? Because that's where I met, you know. Uh, was that right? Yeah. Well, what are you doing Thursday night? We going to the, what do you mean we? Well, what is her name? It's Irene. Irene. How many women, your name's Irene in the house this morning? Get it up real high. Irene. I'm about to make up a country song named Irene. Are you ready? Irene. What's that? Irene, you got your name, son, your name, Irene? No. I met Irene. He uses Irene all the time. It's Irene this, Irene that, Irene this, Irene that. His coworkers are sick of Irene. On the other hand, it might be her who's single, divorced, been that way for seven, eight, nine, ten years. What are you, where are you going tonight? Well, I'm going to go home and sew. <laughs> you are, yeah. I have a little crochet group. Now, if you're a member of the crochet group, that's okay. But I have a little crochet group. I'm going to go do a little crochet. And, oh, that's an exciting life, isn't it? Yeah, I love to crochet because you don't have anything else you want to do. But anyway, I love to crochet. What are you doing this weekend? I don't know. I guess I'm going to go out and wash my car, you know, put some more duct tape on it, try to keep it together. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, she's talking about Herbert. I make up these names. How many know that? How many men are named Herbert? Herbert? Looking? Where? How many want to be Herbert? How many want to be Herbert in this story? Herbert. Herbert this. Where y'all going, oh, Herbert took me to, he took me to Ybor City, to the Columbia. I've never been there in my life. He told me, get anything you want. Wow. What are y'all doing this weekend? Well, I hate to tell you, but he has a boat. I mean, it is a real big boat. It has two twin-packed 200-horsepower Mercury engines on the back. It has sleeping quarters on it. We're just going to go out for a little spin in his boat. It's Herbert this, Herbert that, until his co-workers are sick and tired of hearing about Herbert. Now, why do you think they're talking about what was the girl's name? I forgot already. Oh, yeah, Irene. And what was his name? 
Why do you think they're talking about Herbert? She is, and he's talking about Irene. Because something touched them. Can I tell you something? I know it's a humorous illustration. I made it up all by myself. <laughs> but listen. How come we can't be that passionate about Jesus? Since he saved us from eternal hell, don't you think we ought to be able to talk about him? So that our co-workers say, well, who is Jesus? How do you get... How do you get that? You in the religion? Oh, no, I'm not in religion. I'm in relationship. He saved me. Hallelujah. He died for my sins, took my name off the list going to hell, and I am headed to heaven. Pardon me if I get a little bit excited about what he's done for me. Amen. That's what he's done for me. Amen. Amen. And I'm done. Come on, stand up, everybody. Father God, we thank you this morning because... Jesus, bigger than religion. So, God, I pray that you would speak and touch to all of our hearts today. We, we desperately need you to do something dramatic in our lives. God, we desperately and deeply want to say that we're sorry for sometimes not allowing you to be supreme and to rule. We're thankful today, and we ask you for forgiveness because maybe we've been a little bit too quiet when there's such a great God that is given of himself to us. And God, I don't want religion which will blind me to who I really am. God, I want to know that I know, and I have that relationship passionately with you. So God, help me to honor you. And while heads are bowed for a moment, and we're just pausing, and those of you online, you're just bowing your head unless you're driving. And whatever as God speaks, what is it that God can do for you today? How about your life as it relates to the way you're living out your relationship? You know what? Everybody at the office knew that old Herbert had met somebody. And everybody in the office knew that old Irene was a different Irene because she met somebody. Oh, God. How is it that people in the office sometimes don't even know that we met somebody and his name is Jesus Christ and that we're able to tell about what happens at church and about our prayer time and about our devotion time and, and people come to us and mention that they've got a need and, and we tell them that, hey, by his stripes, his name is Jesus, we are healed, let me pray for you. I pray today that you would convict every heart and every person here and online and however many thousands listen to this message on down into next week, next month, maybe next year. Would you just speak with us and let us be that kind of passionate person for you. For Lord Jesus, it is not by might or power, but by your spirit in us. Now, just in case there's some of you here that says, you know what? I have, I've kind of been into religion. I wouldn't really call it that, but I kind of make my own choices about the kind of commitment that I'm going to make, the kind of consecration. Well, no, if you want to be the kind of Christian and not into religion, you've got to nurture that relationship. 
you got to say, God, I'm in love with you. I'm deeply in love with you. You got to show up when it's show up time. You got to fess up when it's time to talk about him. You got to be able to tell the world because you cannot keep it quiet. Look what the Lord has done for me. So just in case, I want us all of us right now to repeat this prayer. Here we go. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus Christ. Thank you for Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross. Thank you for dying on the cross. For all my sins. I confess right now that I am a sinner and I need your grace. Right now, I'm going to do my best to follow after you. So here's my heart that you created. Use it for your honor. Use it for your glory. And I'll give you praise. I will follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You feel the message? Amen. You feel that message? Do you receive it today? Amen. With the Word of God, I believe that we do. Come on, put your hands together as we honor the one who helped us. So when we leave here in a few moments, let's leave here fired up and glad of what we have in Christ. And if you prayed that prayer, and in your heart of hearts, you know, here's where pride gets in the way every time. It just gets in the way. And an active disobedience takes place. You prayed that prayer and you were dead serious about it. You know you've been a rascal. Amen? You've just been in your own way over and over and over again. And you've stiff-armed God. Oh, I didn't mean to, but you do. And you know what? You want to be clean as a whistle. You want, hey, I prayed the prayer. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ in the balcony, here in the ground floor, at home. As we sing this song, I'm going to ask you, if you need prayer in your body, you come right on in and we'll pray for you right now. Whatever that need, you slip out and then we'll give the benediction. Stay with me until we do. Here we go, everybody. myself away so you you can use me I give myself away hallelujah I give myself away so you can use me Lord I give myself away I give myself I tell all about Give myself away. Come on, raise your hands and let's worship together. Sing it again. Heavenly Father, I preach my heart out with everything that I know to do to deliver your word today. And I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Once again, you have used a weakened vessel, but Lord, it's your word and it's powerful. I pray God that we'll all just take it like a sumptuous meal and begin to eat it and let it filter into our spirit man. And may we grow. And may we, God, say to the enemy, you're a liar in the name of Jesus Christ. 
No longer am I going to follow the way of religion or the way and persuasions of darkness. I'm going to stand up and be a man. I'm going to stand up and be a young woman or a woman. And I'm going to let everybody I know who Jesus is. So that, Father God, you will be honored in my life. Thank you for your protection, your mercy, and your grace. In Christ's name I pray. And everyone said, Amen. Shake somebody's hand, give them a great big old smile, and I'll see you tonight, everybody. God bless you.